0: All right, welcome to the first-of-its-kind, world-changing Manufacturers Network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm delighted to introduce you to our guest today, Keith Ledbetter. Keith is president and CEO of the Associated Builders and Contractors of Southeast Michigan. He manages this 250-member Construction Trade Association in Southeast Michigan and helps lead its affiliated skilled trade school, the Southeast Michigan Construction Academy, with over 500 student apprentices. As the architect of a dramatic construction association turnaround, Keith's unique professional background helped create an uncanny ability to get things done using relationships and personal appeal. His wide-ranging skill set, ability to find win-win propositions amidst disagreement and strong leadership enables him to build motivated teams, quickly adapt to new challenges, and flourish in diverse corporate roles. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me today. Well, you and I were talking a little bit about your resume and your journey, and you've kind of been all over the place. So share with us where you've been and really how you got to where you're at right now.
1: That's a great question, and there is was well, certainly no straight line as part of that uh, path actually, when I was in college, I really enjoyed politics and I wanted to get involved. I wanted to do something big. I wanted to have some meaningful impact on people on a really a large scale. And when you're young, you're probably not going to be the CEO. You're not going to be a leader of a major organization. And one way I thought to do that was I got involved in the political system and I worked in the Michigan House of Representatives for 15 years. And it was really cool. And at a yet relatively young age, I got involved in making a lot of really key decisions on state policy matters. Uh, you know, first, I was just the quiet guy in the room taking notes and offering private counsel to my boss. But as time uh, went on, I I became uh, uh, in a more uh, significant role. But from there, I actually became a lobbyist for the heavy construction industry. And I did that for another six years. And I advocated for people's interests as it related to infrastructure investment, road and bridge improvement, uh, things like that. And, And then that expertise in that area led me to go work at Chrysler. And I was a corporate government relations executive. I ended up representing the company's interest to elected officials in the Northeast United States in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Vermont, Massachusetts, uh, New York, Maine, and really was the go-to for the company anytime they had issues or concerns related to public policy. And strangely enough, I ended back up in the construction industry after that Using some of the same skills, and it's interesting, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about making sure that when you're applying for your jobs, that even if they're not related entirely to what you're doing, that you want to make the connection for any particular person that's, or entity that's doing the hiring that, hey, some of these job skills that you have in these various areas actually apply to what you do. And I took those same skill sets and then I began running a nonprofit on my own associated builders and contractors in southeast Michigan and also ran a trade school called the southeast Michigan construction academy where we have over 500 apprentices who are learning skilled trades so you know you, you look at it and say well how did this guy who started out in politics and doing that kind of stuff like how did he end up in the skilled trades and training all these young people most of them without college degrees it's been a strange ride But it's been pretty cool to be able to see that your skill set can go from one industry area to another fairly easily.
0: Well, and even when you joined ABC, it sounded like it was kind of a mess when you took it over and putting some work into it and getting the right leadership team in place and just running it taking what you refer to as a ragtag group of individuals and transforming them into a winning team. And that's really why I wanted to have you on the show today, because even though construction is a little bit different from manufacturing, both industries run into the same problems. How do you take people when there is already a skilled labor force and find people like you just said, that don't necessarily have the right the the exact background that you're looking for, but finding those people that have those inherent skills and getting them in the right seats on the bus. So kind of share with us that story of where you started and what it took to create that winning culture that you have now.
1: Right. I think really to provide proper context, you have to kind of go back to what I came into and it was pretty dramatic. Uh, We had a situation where only a year or so earlier that the association couldn't make their mortgage payments. They'd stopped making mortgage payments, and they were getting ready to lose their building. They had significant indebtedness. Uh, we had a membership in our association that really wasn't a group of people who really wanted to be all that much involved as an association. And I remember we had a celebration to you know, my hiring at ABC. It's like, hey, go meet the new CEO. And I think we had about six people show up. and it really sent me a message like hey we've got some work to do and on the school side we were really floundering and we weren't being successful we weren't bringing in the new students that we had hoped to bring in and so all these things were really uh, tearing down the organization we weren't following proper rules and protocols and we really needed to tighten up across the board and so frankly at the time I didn't know what I was coming into and and even worse, my predecessor hadn't been paying proper dues to ABC National. So we found out that we had significant indebtedness beyond even what we'd owned the bank. And so this was a starting point, which I had. And then I recognized very quickly that didn't have the proper team in place. There was a culture there that had to be changed in a rather significant way. Now, when I parachuted in, I had no idea. I just assumed everything was great and I was going to go into this opportunity. And you know, these are not things that necessarily come out in a job interview that, boy, you've got a really tough job on your hands. But I found out literally on day one when there was a board meeting that we had some major problems that had to be dealt with. And so you know, I realized very early on I had to have the right people in place um, to to get it turned around.
0: Yeah, isn't that sure. funny? If see if if you had known everything that you were running into, there's a pro- there's a pretty good chance that you may not have taken that. <laughs> you know,
1: life is funny, and I you know I love the challenge. And I look back five years from now, literally my fifth year anniversary coming up here very shortly, and the turnaround that we have has been. Miraculous, and I'm really still. I'm. I'm actually as excited today about what I do than I have been in many, many years. Because um, I had to change teams. I had to get new people in that had a different set of skill sets. But it's been a pretty remarkable recovery. And as you mentioned, you know, I, I say it's a ragtag team, but you know, these are really high-level professionals. But in their previous roles, they weren't necessarily appreciated for what they brought to the table. Four of our new hires at ABC, which were the foundation of our turnaround, were people who had been fired or left under less than ideal circumstances at their most previous job. I had another gentleman who was an Uber driver and a substitute teacher who was partially retired, and yet I had another guy who was a key employee of mine today, but he hadn't had a real job in a number of years. He'd done a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but hadn't had a real job. And so you would say, well, how do you take this ragtag group of people and turn them into what I consider to be uh, an incredibly high-performing, high-achieving team? And that's a great question. One of the things I think I've done pretty well, not to brag on myself, but I think one of the things I've done really well is identify areas in which people excel and put them in those areas that they are best at. So as an example, I often think of, you know, like a football team analogy where the field goal kicker is not going to be a great quarterback and a quarterback isn't going to be a great offensive lineman. But if you get them in their skill set and you have them do what they're awesome at, it really pays dividends. And what I was able to do is see the value that they brought, find areas in which I needed their skills, and put them in those areas. And as a boss, I'm not afraid to admit the fact that my people are actually better at their jobs than I would be at their jobs. Because I've hired specialists. I've hired people who are experts in their craft, in their area. I've let them go. And they've really done quite remarkable things.
0: So how did you determine that? Was that a conversation that you had with them, asking them what they were good at or what they enjoyed doing? Was it something that you were observing and just kind of seeing what lights them up? How did you get to that point of being able to pinpoint where to put people?
1: That's a great question. What I was doing is I was actually looking in my network of people. Who do I know that would be good at certain things? And in all cases, I didn't know whether they would be good or not. So I would say, hey, let's, why don't we just sit down and have a conversation and tell me about what you're looking for. Oftentimes, people are coming to me saying, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me with that? I'm actually well-networked within the community. So I'd say, sure, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. And in those conversations, I would ask them a lot of very frank questions. What did you like about your previous employer? What didn't you like? Why didn't it really work out? And then from there, it became evident... To me in a number of cases that man the skill set that these people have would be incredible to work with me and so later on the conversation as i'm really probing and asking some detailed questions about the, what they're looking for and what their skill sets are i had a number of them say keith are you really interviewing me um, and it was kind of a surprise to them and i said well frankly yeah there i do have a job opening that i think would be an interesting fit but why don't we continue to have some conversations so that we can both determine whether this worked out or not. And so my looking for people wasn't a one job interview. In some cases, yes, I did some job posting on posting boards, but in many of my key positions, I actually looked within my network, found people that were looking for work and then tried to have a very candid conversation over a period of weeks to determine whether we'd be a good fit for each other. And so it's a little bit unique in what my approach was, But it was an ongoing conversation it was a relationship and i really feel that in the professional world you're most successful when you have relationships with people when you're bringing people in and you understand what their background is maybe what was lacking in their previous roles and what you might be able to do for them and then for them to have a real frank and candid understanding of what you need from them as well So that's really been the secret sauce to me and my ability to to build these really these great teams. And what I realize now is that many of these people, while they may not have been ideally suited for some of their previous roles, they were really ideally suited for for me and for my organization. And they had a fantastic skill set. And then I'm finding that, frankly, they are far better at what they're doing, what they're tasked with doing in my organization than I could ever do. And that's really when you know you've hit the sweet spot, when you're not the smartest people in the room, that there's so many other great talents out there around you that can add stuff that really you're not very good at. So I was able to recognize that and humble myself to recognize that these people were really phenomenal in my weak areas, and they're going to be a uh, fantastic addition to the team.
0: Well, I think the big idea that really just came out of that was the fact that interviewing is not placing an ad or going online and looking for a specific person or turning out over to HR and saying, hey, this is the person I'm looking for. It's a continuous conversation. It's looking for people who would be a good fit and having those conversations. One of the things I say in my program a lot is that you want to hire more slowly and fire more quickly when it comes to getting rid of those toxic people. And for you taking that time getting to know people and assessing is this person going to be a good fit that's really how you keep that you find talent that you can keep a lot easier have you found that to be true Well, i probably had
1: a little bit of an unfair advantage because i've had a remarkable network of people and professionals that i've known and frankly being in the legislative world and being a lobbyist you are a connector of people and you need you know people across numerous industries and i was able to use that network of people to have conversations that maybe the average ceo or that maybe the average person who's looking to hire doesn't have that but i i recognized when i was taking the inventory of my own strengths i said that is an area that i'm really good at that i have a lot of a network of people so how can i find the right people to be able to work in the organization and not everyone is a great fit uh, but it certainly worked out for me you know in some cases you do have to do some online advertising or some job postings and and you have to be good at that too especially when you just don't find that person in your network that can do a job that needs to be done but again i think really delving into the people and and understanding them, understanding what they're good at, having some really frank conversations. And it isn't a pointed conversation. You know, when people are nervous in a job interview, you really don't get a lot out of them. So the degree that you can early on break those down, those walls and, and have a really good personal conversation, get to know them a little bit more on a personal level. I really don't care all that much whether the people I hire are particularly skilled or have a background in precisely the job title and a responsibility that I need them for. I want someone who's pliable. I want someone who's learned. I, I need someone that has the basic foundational skills, whether it's a people person that needs to be out there selling or marketing whether it's a person who is a financial guru. If it's a person who's very organizational in nature, you know, I have a needs across the organization, in all those different areas. And some people will be phenomenal in one of those areas and very, very weak in another. I think the other thing also that I've done fairly well is I've taken people and I've hired them and I've told them, look, I'm hiring you for this role, but we're going to find out where you best fit within this organization. So this is not a stopping point for you. You're not limited to just this role. We're going to figure out what you excel at, what you're very talented at. We're gonna put you in that role and we're gonna make you incredibly successful. So I just say, look, bear with me for a little bit while we figure this out, while you figure out what you like doing here, what we figure out makes sense, how you can use those skills and we're gonna put you in that role. And it's been kind of a unique thing. And I think most new employees really like the idea that, hey, they're gonna work with me, that if I get stuck in a role that I'm not really good at, it doesn't mean that I gotta stay here and we can have some ongoing conversations. So then once you've onboarded them, You really, part of my um, strategy has been, let's have some conversations on an ongoing basis. How are you doing here? How do you like things? Are you having frustrations? And just, you know, closing the door. So it's me and that employee having a good, really good conversation so that we could understand each other. And also it sends the signal that they know that they can reach out to me, even if they have a direct report who is someone different than me. I really do my role as CEO is the guy who's sort of masterminding all of those relationships, putting them all together, have this tapestry that we put together that really utilizes the best of all people's skills and abilities. And that's been kind of neat. And frankly, it's been kind of fun. And I'm learning as I go. I don't have this all figured out immediately. But I also, I have been able to really accumulate this great team and then also motivate them to stay with me And not just take off when we hit rough waters. Because I also have high expectations of what my team is going to do. And and sometimes I'm sure there's frustration. It's like I'm asking them for the impossible. But I want them to stretch. I want them to reach. I want them to really uh, struggle to get the best out of themselves. Because at the end of the day, if you do hire a high-performing team, they want to know that they're high-performing. They want to achieve great things. And sometimes you have to be in a level of discomfort in order to do those things. So it's been pretty cool to watch this organization. I talked about how, you know, when we started, we were in debt. We weren't following various rules. We really had a low-performing organization. We were actually on the verge of being kicked out of uh, our national association because we didn't do what we were supposed to be doing. And so to go to that, to where we are today, we've almost tripled the enrollment in our school. We paid off a million dollars in debt on our building, and now we owe it uh, free and clear. We have no debt that we have at this point. We've grown actually our trade association membership four years in a row. We may be the only or one of the only chapters in in the entire United States that can say that we've done that. So we turned it around from what would be considered one of the lowest performing organizations in the country to one of the highest performing organizations, with again what I'm referring to is this ragtag group of, of team members that maybe didn't weren't at their stride when I hired them, but we brought them in, we motivated them, we gave them the appropriate onboarding, we gave them the big vision of what we're kind of accomplished, we've inspired them, and then we work with them and we train them and we talk to them and have ongoing conversations. Those are all been part of the what it's really taken, I think, to transform this into a winning team. And hopefully I'll be able to continue keeping them. I think it all starts with an awesome authenticity, a desire truly to help your people become better and do well in this world and the professional career. And I certainly take that on myself. I ask my employees, what do you want to do? How can I help you? Let's build some skill sets that you can use throughout the entirety of your career. So I think that's very important. And I'll actually give you a story. I have one of my director of education is really phenomenal. She's a young lady, She's 26 years old. She's certainly a phenomenal employee of ours and and been an important part of our team. I know she has aspirations to do other things. And I also know she has a very strong interest in being part of the political world. And so we had an opportunity as an organization to testify before Michigan House Committee last week and you know, I could have done that. I'm a you know lobbyist by trade and background, And also I have a former state representative who is my vice president of Workforce Development. Either one of us could have done that testimony, but recognizing what how important that was for her and how meaningful that would be in terms of her career progression, to be able to get exposed to that and do that, um, I decided that I was going to have her actually do the testimony. And I think, what it did is it put wind in her sails that these people care about me, that they're giving me opportunities, frankly, that'd be very hard for me to find anywhere else. And, and they care enough about me that they're gonna give me the opportunity to shine in a public limelight. And so that's just sort of a anecdotal example of, of some of the things that I like to do to try to put my uh, team in a positions to develop themselves, even when you know we could find other ways to, uh, or we could have done other things in that particular situation, um, it was really important that I provide that an opportunity for my employees.
0: Wow. Well, you have given us so many great hints and strategies to attract and, and retain great talent. So from a networking standpoint, if you were to think about something that you would like to learn from industry, other industry colleagues, as well as what would be your areas of expertise that you'd like to share, or you'd be open to sharing, what would that be?
1: You know, that's a great question. As someone who prides myself in leading an organization that is growing by leaps and bounds and having a lot of success, you know, I always struggle with that next step. Are you willing to put some things on the line risk a few things to get to that next level. So as an example for us, we're looking at the possibility of buying like another billion dollar building so that we can add on students. And so I'm trying to learn right now, whether, you know, you just take it easy and say, hey, this is a good thing. We got a great thing going. We've grown at a fairly significant level. Let's just be satisfied where we're at. And, but, but there are people out there in this world who say, we're going for it. This is how we operate. This is in our DNA. And we're going to take that next step um, partially in faith that we're going to reach that next level. So I think that's one of the things that I'm struggling with. And I can always use input for people who are really great at what they do and building strong organizations that grow at rapid rates. And then also you look, I'm learning as I go. Um, there are always, there's always someone who's done a better job than I have in terms of, bringing great team members on or retaining the team members that are already there. So I'm always open to advice and counsel on other ways or techniques that I could use to help me in, in, in that as well.
0: And if people did want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch?
1: You know, Certainly I am on LinkedIn, Keith Ledbetter. There's not many of us here. I'm located in Madison Heights. I'm the president and CEO of Associated Builders and Contractors. Also, we have a website www.abcsemi.org. I'm always happy to connect. I'm a connector by background, being a former lobbyist and stuff. This is what we do. We use relationships in order to uh, to build our teams and to build uh, our you know organizations and so forth. So I'm I love connecting with other people.
0: Well, Keith, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. It's been great. Thank you, Lisa, so much.
0: I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks Just like you, you can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.